Hello, and welcome to Wide Open Stages of the Leaf, a podcast. This is episode 56. FOMO much? Come look at my website at wideopenspacesoftheleaves.com. Elise is spelled I-L-I-S-E. You can listen to my podcast anywhere you love to listen to your favorite podcast. Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Google Chrome, anywhere you choose. That's the beauty of a podcast. Thank you for listening today. Wide Open Spaces with Elise is so honored that you're listening to me today for FOMO Much. Do you know what FOMO means? Let me tell you if you don't. The fear of missing out. We all have that fear, don't we? Of things that people are doing that we're missing out on. So FOMO Much is the title of this podcast. This podcast evolved out of a global pandemic. When we were all stuck at home in quarantine, we were all trying to figure ourselves out. And for me, I took my therapeutic skills and my journalistic skills and created this podcast. And I'm on season two, episode 56, and it's going strong. So I appreciate every listener, whether you've listened to me just today, one time, or you're a loyal follower. Thank you so much for being here for this podcast today. So I'd like to give you a little coping skill tip of the day before we start this podcast. I am an avid traveler. I've traveled many places in the United States, but I love to travel abroad. It doesn't matter anywhere outside of the United States. I love it. Well, COVID kind of put a kibosh on that for a while, and I've missed two summers now of traveling abroad. And it's really affected me because that's really where... I let myself unwind, and I really get into the cultures of people. So here's my coping skill. Many of you have coffee makers. I'm sorry if you're not a coffee drinker, but many of you have espresso machines or Keurig machines or whatever you choose with your little pods. And so what I do when I feel like I want to just get away for a minute is I pick a flavor. For example, today is Costa Rica. Now, I've actually been to Costa Rica, so I made this Costa Rican flavor. They have some delicious coffee there. I remember they were hand-pressing it at every meal we went to. Just fabulous, this rich, creamy taste. And so I get that when I make my Nespresso Costa Rican-flavored coffee. But not only does it do that for me, it reminds me of the smells of Costa Rica. Going out on the wood deck, smelling the rainforest. Seeing the Arenal volcano in the distance with the smoke coming out of it. Remembering the hot springs that we went in. And the amazing sounds of the birds that you would hear every day on that wood deck. Oh, and I can't forget the sloths that would hang out in the trees. This cup of coffee takes me there. It relaxes me. It gives me visualization to go off for a little vacation in my head just for a few minutes. Coping skills. A simple cup of coffee can be a coping skill. And if you haven't been somewhere, but you've always wanted to go there, well, then choose a flavor and imagine what it would like to be visiting there. And create that energy so that someday it'll happen. You'll make it happen. So there's my brief, simple coping skill of the day. Okay, let's move on to FOMO much. 
So the fear of missing out, we all have that, right? We all turn down going somewhere and we wonder, did I miss something? Maybe you turned out a job and then you, a friend of yours gets it and you wonder, what did you really miss out on? We all have that fear. So as a podcaster and blogger, my sources are computers and my phone. I utilize Facebook and Instagram to promote my, promote my podcast, to promote my blog, to promote my website, to promote myself. Facebook and Instagram. YouTube, people go, which I will be moving into next and making some live videos through my podcast. People use YouTube, WhatsApp. I use LinkedIn to promote myself. We have all these social media platforms that we all use in different ways. Now, there are a small subset of you who don't touch social media. Great. Good for you. That's wonderful. I wish I could be like that, but through my business and myself, quite impossible at the moment. And then some of you are limited social media people. You keep it to limits. And then some of you are social media all the time. So when I was thinking about what to do this podcast on this week, it was really right on front of my face starting on Monday. I got up, was watching some TV, and I literally became mesmerized. Congress was having a hearing and interviewing a woman who was a whistleblower a whistleblower on Facebook and Instagram where she used to work. Her name was Frances Haugen. Now, really, she was extremely brave because when you think about the power behind Facebook and Instagram, and here she is telling some untold stories, some reality of what goes on behind Facebook and Instagram. And I became mesmerized. One, because I'm a social media person. I use it all day long, on and off, throughout the day. When I'm bored, when I'm sitting in a car line, when I'm sitting in traffic, whatever. I pick up my phone. I check my email. I browse Facebook. I browse Instagram. I go to my business Facebook. We all do it, right? You know you can relate to that. And the kids, let's not forget the kids. They're obsessed with social media. There are very few kids who don't touch social media. Now, for you younger people who listen to me, I want to give you a little bit of history. I'll give you the history from my perspective. When I grew up, we had a telephone. That's how you talk to people. We were just starting computers. I remember being a senior in high school and taking a computer programming class where we made little games on the computer. I mean, that was it. That was the extent of it. Then I went to college and it still was only the telephone to communicate other than being in person. Then we had word processors. So we didn't have to use just a typewriter and type our 10-page paper for whatever government or whatever theater class you may have been taking. And every time you made a mistake, you had to use this whiteout to cover up the letters and then retype. And the more you made mistakes, the messier your paper looked. 
So then we had these word processors. They weren't, they were like a computer, but all they were was to type papers on. So like this magical typewriter with a screen and that you could, you know, go backspace and erase something. So your papers were always neat and you could read them and change them before you printed them out. And then graduated college. Was that my first job? Second job, really. Um, full-time job before that was previous was a uh, part-time and this became a full-time job for me and all of a sudden we had these car phones that were in our cars that we could talk on well then they started making these portable phones that we could take anywhere they were these big bulky kind of phones and we would carry them in our purses and our backpacks and they would make things really heavy and the guys would try to stick them in their back pockets I mean they were these ugly bulky things I don't even know how to describe how big they were but they were big and then we had little pagers that would tell you somebody wants you to call them back or a little message on them that was our advancement of communication and then as I was in my later 30s our cell phones got smaller and all of a sudden, we went from these phones that all we did was talk on to texting on them. I mean, we could send messages to people on our phone, and within seconds, they could answer us back. Well, I was very resistant to that. Uh, I remember friends saying, just text me, just text me. I don't want to text you. I'm a communicator. I'm a therapist. I believe in that communication between people. I don't want to write words to you. Well, I succumb because, like we all do, the way of the world, texting is kind of avoidable. I mean, my daughter takes an online class and the teacher sends me a message through text, not even through email anymore. It's just the way of the world. So I became a texter. And then I heard of this thing called Facebook. And a lot of friends would say to me, um, I'm going to friend you on Facebook. I'm like, I don't have Facebook. And my husband in the beginning was really into it. He barely touches it now. And he was posting pictures of high school and all this stuff. He's like, you know, you really should try this Facebook thing. And I'm like, I don't know. Again, it was just something as a communicator, as a therapist, I, I just wasn't sure about. But then I joined. And I just friended people and they friended me. Then I started to have fun with it, sharing pictures of my kids growing up. I mean, how cool was it that family all the way in Chicago or California or New Jersey could see my kids growing up or sharing my fun family vacations and, and seeing other people's family vacations. I mean, it was nice to see that little window. It's almost like you felt like you could get to know people a little bit better. And even the people from high school that you hadn't talked to in years, all of a sudden you would be able to connect that you never would have been able to even hardly find them before. And so you're able to connect and you can text and you can message your people and you can talk through Instagram and your posts and comment on people's posts. So I got into it. I fell right into it. Hook, line, and sinker. And I still am with some moderation. And I know a lot of people out there are so good. They just post once in a while. And sometimes I really try to do that, but then I read something I want to share or my kids do something I want to share and it just becomes that ball rolling down the hill. But 
within moderation. And so then it's Facebook and it's Instagram and it's Snapchat, which is what all the young people use, the Snapchat. I've tried the Snapchat. A lot of my friends use it. Not quite my thing. And there's the YouTube, of course, for videos and coming live and Twitch and all these different ways that we can bring people into our worlds, that we can make businesses through, that we can make money off of. I mean, how do you find out about my podcast? Through apps, when you're looking through podcasts, or you see an ad on Instagram or Facebook. Because we all do that. We pay for ads so that it exposes our business, our podcasts, our blogs, our YouTube, whatever it may be, to people we don't know. And that's how we grow. And so the world is a social media platform. We talk to people all over the world through social media. And so social media gives us this negative and positive feed loop. So the positive is what I've just been talking about, all these positive things. Like, I got a rescue dog. I never had one before. I post pictures. I start clicking on rescue dog links. And now I see all these cute rescue dogs on my feed. You know why that happens? There's algorithms. See, Francis Haugen, the whistleblower, talked about these algorithms. When you look at something on Facebook and you click on it to read it or look up about it and then you share it, their computer system sees a trend and that trend is followed. It's that algorithm. And they start to send you information through your feeds. Now, some of this, I'm sure you all can say, you've learned things, you found things out maybe that you wouldn't have. And that's the positive feed loop. But regarding mental health, which is what I love to talk about on this podcast, there's that negative feed loop. And that's part of what turns people off to these social media platforms. But those of us that are hooked we're exposed to this negative feed loop all the time. And the whistleblower, when she spoke to Congress on Monday, talked about the danger of this negative feed loop, this hyper-connectedness, this hyper-connectivity to needing to be on social media all the time, especially young people. And she talked a little bit about this algorithm, for example, she gave. Say an adolescent is worried about their weight. Let's face it, right? Kids are so focused on their self-image. So they look up things on Instagram or Facebook about how to lose weight, how to eat less calories, how to slim down, and they click on those. All of a sudden, they get articles or, or ads about anorexia and bulimia. Now, those ads aren't about how not to binge and purge and how to not starve yourself. They also show you these negative loops of people who talk about ways they binge and purge, ways they hide it, and how they can hide people not noticing they're not eating. This is that negative loop that as parents, we don't even realize our children are being exposed to. 
But if you think about your own feeds and that negative loop that's being fed to you through what you're looking at, imagine what a growing person, a growing mind and a growing body and changing emotions, the things that they look up on social media. Now, facts. Social media increases anxiety, low self-esteem, depression, poor self-image, and increases suicidal thoughts. Facts, studies have been done. I could list you percentages and numbers when I researched this this week. What's the point? It's fact. It does because of those negative loops. Like FOMO. Think about it. How many of you have gone onto social media before and you see a friend of yours out with all your other friends and you weren't invited? It hurts. It hurts your feelings. You start to question yourself. Did I do something wrong? Am I not good enough for them? Why didn't they invite me? Why did I miss out? This is the effects of social media that have on our mental health. Sometimes a friend will post something that you feel that's passive aggressive. They'll make a post or they'll comment on your post and you'll go, why did they respond to me that way? Are they not my friend anymore? Do they not care about me anymore? The mind wanders. It's just who we are. It's natural. And so these, these fears of missing out when we see these things and, and being hurt that you weren't invited to a big event or thinking that maybe that friend doesn't like you anymore, those things hurt. They really do hurt. So imagine a kid, right, who sees their friends out and they weren't invited. They don't have the skills that we have as adults because we've grown and lived through our life experiences, they're still growing and figuring it out. And this is where the whistleblower talks about how social media can be so dangerous and how irresponsible she felt it was that these platforms, so she worked just for Facebook and Instagram. She obviously no longer works them. But how these platforms allow these negative feed loops, how their algorithms and Encourage them. And our children and ourselves are being affected by this with our mental health. Sometimes we don't realize it. The whistleblower made an amazing point that really, really made me think. She said, when we were younger, adults, when we were kids, if there was a bully at your school... It was hard, right? There was this bully and they'd get other people on board. But the minute you left school, you had peace. You may have still worried about the bully and going to school the next day. But when you came home, you were separated for a time to give your mind and your feelings a break. Guess what? The kids of today don't have that option. The bully follows them home through messengers, through text messages, through them reaching out through friends to send you text messages, through social media, through Instagram, through Facebook, through Snapchat. It follows them. They can't get away from the bully. 
What does that do to their mental health? It really is frightening when you think about it. What does it do to these poor kids or even adults? What does it do to them when they're struggling in a job and they see things on Facebook about their job or Instagram or Snapchat and it makes them feel less than and not as productive or not as successful as somebody else? This negative feed that is just always following us through social media platforms. So what do we do about this hyper-connectedness that we're addicted? Let's be real. It's an addiction to be on social media. The people who have this restraint on themselves, I envy them. I think it's great that they can have that restraint. Then there's always a part of me thinking, God, they're missing out on those positive things too. So there has to be a healthy balance where you can still be on social media but protect your mental health at the same time. And it it just really got me thinking, you know, besides the fact of the anxiety and the depression and the low self-esteem and the suicidal thoughts, social media affects your sleep. How many of you are on your screens before you go to bed? The room's dark, but the light's on your screen and you're tapping away. And then you're tapping away and you see something that aggravates you or frustrates you, gets you going. You're not sending a message to your brain to go to sleep. You're wide awake. Those endorphins are flowing. Sleep is not in your future. So those of you that are doing that and you are finding that it's really hard for you to fall asleep, Put the dang phone down. Put it on mute. Put it on sleep mode and stop focusing on the phone. It'll be there in the morning. I guarantee you that. So it affects your sleep. It's also social media affects our productivity. I know when you're at work, you stop, you pick your phone up, you browse on whatever social media platform you enjoy. You watch a little YouTube video. You know who I'm talking to. You know it's true. And by the time you're done, 30 minutes has gone by. 30 minutes of work that could have gotten done. At your job, at your home, with your kids. Right? You know what I'm talking about. And so you have this loss of time on social media. I mean, I've been on and looking, and before I know it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just blew an hour of my time. I even have this thing on my phone, which I think is a benefit. And if you have smartphones, I know the iPhone has it. At the end of the week, it shows me how much screen time I've done. And when it says my screen time's gone up, it makes me think. Think about my week. What was going on? Why did my screen time go up? But then when it shows that it's gone down, I kind of feel this sense of accomplishment. That I wasn't on it, my phone so much, or on the you know computer so much, and I have a sense of accomplishment that my phone's telling me my screen time is down. So that's a way, a simple way to start looking at a trend with yourself is to add that onto your smartphones to show you your screen time every week. So I have some ideas. I was really thinking about how 
social media affects us and our anxiety and our self-esteem and all that. And what could I use myself and to my listeners as a coping skill? And so what I came up with was pretty basic. It's for you to go out. You can use your phone too. But I like, since I'm recommending you separating yourself from screen time a little bit, you know, they have those little journal notebooks, really small, that can fit in a pocket, that can throw easily into your purse or a backpack. And I want it to be your social media journal. And over two weeks. Now, really think about what I'm saying. Don't just listen to me and say, that's a good idea, Elise. I'm going to try it. Maybe. No, do this. Do this for yourself. Because it will really give you an inside picture onto you and social media and what social media does to you. And if you have kids, do it with them. Set this as a goal to do as a family. Get these little notebooks. Get a cool color pen. Use red. Use green. Something that will make the kids feel a little more interested in it. Get a cute little notebook. Give it a cute name. Your social media journal and give it a cute name, okay? So now your goal is, listen, don't just say you're going to kind of cool idea, Lise. I want you to do this. You're listening to me for a reason. You want information from me. You want to connect with me. You want to find something in common with me. Well, we all have social media in common. And some of us are addicted to it. And some of us don't even know how it affects us. So by doing this two-week skill, you're going to find out. So you have this little journal. And every time you pick up your phone for screen time, I want you to jot it down the day, the time, in the journal, what did you look at? What Did you go on Snapchat? Did you go on Instagram? Did you go on YouTube? Did you go on Facebook? Whatever your pleasing thing is for you. And what did you look at? And how did it make you feel? I mean, this is where you dig deep, right? How did it make you feel? And then if you want to add a little more feeling to it, colors are very powerful. And I've done podcasts on the effects of color. And colors are very powerful. Go through, Google, what different colors mean. What emotions do they evoke? What feelings do they evoke? And to that specific journal post, put a color. How did it make you feel? Was it black? Were you angry? Were you red and just made you feel like fire and it pissed you off? Or was it calm? Maybe the color yellow or a light pink or a light blue. And every time you do screen time for two weeks, you journal this. You journal what you what time of day, how long, what you looked at, what it made you feel, what it made you think, and use a color. And do this for two weeks. If you have kids, do it with the kids. If you have roommates, do it with your roommates. Or maybe just do it with friends. Make it a thing that you all get together after two weeks and you discuss what you found out. And I really think when you review 
what has gone on in your journal, you're going to notice some experiences. You're going to notice some trends. You're going to notice some things about yourself that you might like, that you might not like. Do you feel better after seeing these things or do you feel like crap and shit after seeing these things? It's a window into yourself. Sometimes it's hard to have a window into ourselves. We like to really think we know ourselves, but do we really know ourselves? And doing this journal gives you that slight window into what's going on with yourself. And if you have kids, what a great way to come together after two weeks and talk about it. Something very important that the whistleblower talked about and in my research to prepare, prepare for this podcast, parents really need, and I know this is hard because I'm a parent, to know what their kids are looking at, to know how much time they're spending, at least when they're at home, on social media platforms. And so this is something as a parent you're going to have to navigate because you don't want your kids to think you're spying on them or you don't trust them. So by doing this journaling thing together, even though they may be resistant, I know my kid would be, it gives you a little bit of insight into what they're looking at. Because sometimes you think your kid's doing great and wonderful, and they're not when you look at what they've been looking at on their newsfeed. And also, be a good example for your kids. I mean, do you sit down to dinner or in a restaurant? Are you on your phone looking up stuff? No. Put it down. I set this goal for myself a long time ago. And sometimes I get frustrated because I see when I'm out with family, I'm the only one who doesn't have my phone in my hand. And so I say something. This is the time to put the phone down. I say it to my husband, I say it to my kids, and this is my example for them. There's time for social media, and there's time for family and friends and self-care. And that was the biggest thing that I got from this whistleblower, was how I'm letting social media platforms with their algorithms influence what I look at influence what I see, influence what I read. And I want to have more power over what I digest visually, what my brain processes, what my kids see. I want to see more of those family photos and vacations than some of these negative loops just because I clicked on something or shared something. I mean, that happened to me during the elections terribly because I'm a political person and that the influx, that's all that was on my newsfeed. I mean, just because I liked politics didn't mean that's all I wanted to see. This is how social media controls what we do, what we say, what we see, what we feel. And the only one who should have control over you is you. So it's time to have a healthy relationship with social media. I want to read this. The Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology had undergraduates who limited their screen time per day to 10 to 30 minutes. That's it. They were on, on the screen, touching those screens, tapping here and there, sharing here and there for 10 to 30 minutes per day. And 
they documented just like we're talking. And at the end, they noticed how their self-image had improved, how their anxiety had decreased, how their moods felt elevated and they felt better about themselves. So that's your next goal. Yes, I want you to do one more thing. After you do the two weeks and you get together with whoever you get together or just yourself to review, I want you to document for one more week. Every day, now that you're decreasing your screen time, right, and you've noticed trends and things that you should probably stay away from because they're giving you these negative feelings, these feelings of just not feeling good about yourself, that FOMO, that fear of missing out. I want you, now that you've noticed and seen the trends and you've made a goal plan for yourself regarding social media, for one more week, every day, write how you feel. What improvements have you seen since you've decreased your social media access? Do this with your friends. This is the follow-up. Do this with your kids. Do this with your family. This is the follow-up. And hopefully, at the end of the three weeks, you will be able to have incorporated new habits regarding social media. I will never tell you to give it up. I'd be a hypocrite if I did because I use it, but limit it. And I remember, put that app on your phone. It feels good to see. Your screen time has decreased by whatever percentage. It's just a way to control yourself, to control your world. It's hard enough. We all deal with anxiety. We all have low moods at times. We all feel like crap about ourselves at times. We don't need social media to make us feel even worse, to make us feel like we have this fear of missing out on things that we are not included in, or we don't dress a certain way like everybody else does, and our hair doesn't look the way everybody else does, and you don't want to do this new makeup trend. We don't need to subject ourselves to that. We have control to eliminate it. And remember how I talked about how the whistleblower talked about that kids can't get away from bullies? Well, if you know this is happening, you really need to take a progressive effort to talk about your, with your kids about this and what's going on. And you may have to take away their phones at certain times of the day. I know you don't want to be the mean old dad or the mean old mom or the mean old sister, whoever the guardian is. And they probably will hate you for it. And I hate using that word, hate, but that's the word kids use today when they're so angry at somebody. Sad to say. But you know you're doing something good for them. And they will start to see a trend, especially if they're being bullied and they don't have access. You will see a trend. You will see a lighter kid, a less anxious kid. A kid who smiles a little bit more. Remember, we're the role models for the children of the future, even if it's not your own kid. It's a niece or a nephew or a sibling. Kids are the future. So let's start to let, let social media develop who our kids will be. Let our kids grow naturally into who they are. And for us adults where social media has manipulated us, it's time to take the reins. You control what social media gives you. 
Don't let them control you. So ironically, I wrote my blog yesterday. If you want to read it, you can go to wideopenspaceswithelise.com. Elise is spelled I-L-I-S-E. And after I wrote my blog, I went on to my social media, Facebook, and ironically, and I'm sure it had a lot to do with the whistleblower this week, there was this post by Just Saying, Just Saying is exactly how it's said, and it's tips21.com. Welcome to Facebook, the place where people add you as a friend and walk past you in the store where relationships are perfect, affairs are started, and liars believe they are telling the truth. Your enemies visit your profile the most, yet your friends and family block you. And even though you write what you are usually thinking, someone always takes it the wrong way. And people always think your status is about them. I have to read this again because it's so, it just is exactly what we just talked about in this podcast. Welcome to Facebook, the place where people add you as a friend and walk past you in the street. Come on, we all know that's true where relationships are perfect and affairs are started. And liars believe they are telling the truth. Your enemies visit your profile the most. That's the truth, right? Yet your friends and family block you. I've blocked family. And even though you write what you are really thinking, someone always takes it the wrong way, and people always think your status is about them. Come on. If you're a social media person, you know that's fact. It's just fact. It is what it is. This is how social media affects us. A little food for thought. Just saying. So until next week, my friends, thank you for listening to FOMO Much. Go out and explore all the wide open spaces in your world. Remember, positive thoughts always create positive energy. Get that journal started. You got three weeks. And I bet social media will be behind you just a little bit. Check me out on your favorite places to listen to podcasts. Until next week, my friends, ciao.